So, for example, I cannot um, create a lease in favor of Ufoma and say the lease will commence on the day when the coronavirus vaccine is found. <laughs> because, yeah, it's not ascertainable. Welcome to the Fit and Proper Podcast by DigiLaw, your host, Keyukemi Ubi, and co-host, Ufoma Bapore. Hello, you're welcome to the Fit and Proper Podcast. I'm your host, Keyukemi Ubi, and with me is Ufoma Bapore. Today, we'll be talking about leases, but it's not just going to be myself and Ufoma on this episode. Surprise, surprise. So we are having a guest on this episode. And her name is, wait for it, Oluwaduni Oni. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Oluwaduni Oni. She was the second best graduating student of the NLS 2018-2019 nationwide. She was the best female student in civil litigation and criminal litigation. She was the third best student in property law. And now she currently is an associate at Sholola and Akwana. You're welcome to today's episode, Ms. Oluwa Duni. Or can I call you Duni? Thank you very much. Yeah, Duni is fine. Perfect. Thank you. I'm glad yeah, to be here. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Ufoma, how are you doing? I'm fine, Kayu. How are you? How are you, Duni? I'm great. I'm fine. I'm <laughs> so Hi. now to business. Um, I'm sure our guests want to learn about leases. So, uh, um, Duni, please can you give us an introduction to what leases mean, the parties involved, and the elements that make up a lease? All right, uh, a lease is an agreement, you know, by which a party called the lessor grants an interest in land or a property to another party called um, a lessee for a term of years, usually um, for consideration of rent or money's worth. So uh, basically, someone who owns land grants an interest in that land or property to another person to, um, to possess it exclusively for a number of years, after which the interest in that land reverts to the original owner reverts to the lessor. That's a, a summary. Um, I'm using it in simple terms so they can understand. Yeah, so from the definition that I've given, the parties to a lease, we have the lessor and the lessee, or landlord and tenants. That's um, a more familiar word. But as we go on, we'll see why um, there is that distinction. So generally, the general word is leases. But when we come down to the specifics, we actually have leases and tenancies. A tenancy is a lease that is from three years and below, while a lease proper is, um, is for a term of years exceeding three years. Okay. So when we are dealing with leases, that's a term of years exceeding three years. We say lessor and lessee. Or when we are dealing with tenancy, which is three years and below, we use the word landlord and tenants. But general, the, the general or generic word is still lease, whether it's a you know, lease or tenancy, it's still a lease. 
Okay. So what are the elements of a lease? What are the um, essential elements that make a lease valid? First of all, the terms must be certain, which basically means that um, there should be a certain commencement date and a certain expiration date. It must be stated that, okay, this um, lease is for seven years from June 9, 2001 to June 9, 2008. It must be clearly stated how long the lease is for. This is important because a lease cannot exist, um, exist in perpetuity. Uh, mm. uh, let's come down to the commencement date. A lease must have a commencement date to, to be, in order for it to be valid. And there are instances where a specific date like June 12, 2020 may not be stated. And the parties may agree that the lease will take effect or the lease will commence upon the happening of a future event, a future um, contingency. But that contingency must be ascertainable. So, for example, I cannot um, create a lease in favor of Ufoma and say the lease will commence on the day when the coronavirus vaccine is found. <laughs> because, yeah, it's not ascertainable. <laughs> for example, in, I think in the case of lease versus Chandler, the condition was that the lease will take effect when the war ends. How do we know when the war ends? How do we ascertain when the war ends? So that um, clause is void. So the, the terms must be certain or ascertainable. The commencement date, especially, and, um, and the entire duration. Then we also have certainty of parties. The parties uh, to a lease agreement, they must be juristic persons, um, persons that can sue and be sued. So we know that um, a minor is exempted or an unincorporated entity or someone who is bankrupt. They cannot be parties to a um, lease agreement. The parties must be adequately described in, in the agreement. They must be described, they must be defined, and they must be persons with juristic capacity. Then certainty of property. The property to be demised must be certainly described. It must be described adequately, must be defined, the address, and um, all the other particulars pertaining to that property. Then we also have exclusive possession. This is um, one of the hallmarks of a lease. So a lease must um, grant exclusive possession to the, um, to the lessor. That basically means that the lessor is, has the right to use and enjoy that property to the exclusion of every, of every third party, including um, the lessor or, I mean, or the landlord. It can even maintain an action in trespass to, uh, against um, the landlord or the lessor if he attempts to gain entry into that property to interfere with his use and enjoyment, unless there's a clause um, in the agreement allowing the landlord to come in for repairs. But generally, a, a lessee is entitled to use that land exclusively, to use it and to enjoy that land exclusively. 
So in any lease that says um that says the landlord will come in. Okay, let's say there's a there's a three bedroom apartment and you you are trying to rent the whole three bedroom apartment, but there's a closet that says uh, one of the rooms, somebody else will come and be staying there. Yeah, then that's not exclusive possession and that will not um, be a valid lease. Yeah, and uh, the final essential element is that it should be created in a proper manner. So earlier on, I distinguished between uh, leases and tenancies. For a tenancy, which is three years and below, it should be in writing, mm-hmm. but it need, not, it need not be by deed. And okay. in some instances, it can even be oral, but that's not advisable because then the, the terms will not be um, ascertainable and it will be difficult to prove that in court. But the minimum requirement is that it should be in writing. However, for leases, it must be made under seal, that it should be made by deed. Right. Yes, that's for leases which are which exceed three years. It should be made by deed. So the proper manner for a lease that exceeds three years is that it's created by deed, while um, a tenancy um, should be an, a written agreement. All right, Disney. Um, okay, going further, there is the rule in Walsh against um, Lonsdale. And can you please give us an in-depth into this rule? Does the rule in this um, case invalidate the requirements of Section 77 of the Property and Conveyance Law and Section 4 of the Statute of Frauds Act that requires that a lease should be by deed, just as you have mentioned um, before this question? Yeah. Okay, so um, Section 77 of the PCL provides that um, all conveyances of interest in land are void for the purpose of creating um, legal interest, except it's created by deed. So basically, any lease should be uh, by deed, same with Section 4 of the Statutes of Fraud Act. However, the ruling Wash and Lonsdale provides a sort of exception and it basically states that an agreement to create a lease will operate as a lease notwithstanding the fact that it was not created under seal and um, this this rule is based on the equitable maxim that equity looks on as done that which ought to be done or equity looks at the intent rather than the form so it doesn't um, yeah. doesn't invalidate. It's just a kind of exception. You know how law is for every general rule. There are exceptions okay. that law will allow. Okay, so it's like we intended for it to be a lease by deed, but something happened along the line, and we didn't complete that. Um, we didn't create the lease as it should have been done, but we had the intention to create it by deed. So automatically, it's taken to have been created by deed. Uh, something like that. So let me, let me give an example. Uh, Ufama, you approached me. Okay. That, that you, want to rent my, you want to rent my property for seven years. And we have a, a discussion, you know. And I say, okay, you will pay me um, two years rent in advance. And uh, you'll be paying me uh, $200,000 uh, per annum. Uh, so we, we have okay. this discussion. We have this discussion. And then 
on the on the on the dates that you know we agreed you you um assume possession of the property you paid me the two years in advance now for some reason maybe because we are friends we didn't really see the need to draft a formal agreement to that okay and you you are you you are in possession of that property you paid me the rent Let's say the third year you even pay. Yes. And then the fourth year, you the fourth year you refuse to pay. Fifth year you refuse to pay. Uh, let's say I institute an action for recovery of premises and um, claiming areas of rent. I cannot raise the defense and say, uh, my lord, this this lease is not even valid sir, because it was supposed <laughs> to be by deed, and it was not by deed. So this lease is invalid, and I don't owe any money. But you've got to say. Yes, even though you know, it was not created by the there's an, there's, a, there's an agreement between both of you that shows there's an intention to create a lease. So that agreement, it will operate as a lease, notwithstanding the fact that um, it was not created on that seal. Oh, and, 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 and I mean, this is, this, this is equitable, really, because it would be unfair for the law to um, yes. for the court to be um, harsh and stick to technicalities where parties have obviously intended for one thing to be the case. So um, we would like to know the difference between, because um, you've, you've mentioned some other that leases have, um, other them use the word subset. So we'd like to know like some of them, what's the difference between a lease and a sublease, a lease and an assignment, a lease and a license? All right. So um, a lease and a sublease, can see that like say it's a subset so the um the elements are essentially the same the major difference however relates to the parties involved so for a lease um generally we have you know the lessor and the lessee there are two parties involved but for a sub lease this is where a lessee sublets um the demised property to another person so in this case, we have three parties. We have the head lessor, the lessee, and the sub lessee. For there to be a sub lease, obviously, there has to be a covenant in the um, head lease that permits um, subletting or an assignment of interest. So, the major difference between a lease and a sub lease is that in a lease, there's a direct relationship between the lessor and the lessee. While um, in a sub lease, there is no direct relationship between the head lessor and the sub lessee. Oh, okay. Yeah. So for an assignment, like, like I said, the hallmark of a lease is an is exclusive possession. So a lease grants possessory interest, or basically grants possession. They're saying you can possess this property exclusively. However, an assignment is mean divesting the um, unexpired residue, or to use simpler terms, the remainder of years. Mm. The remainder of years uh, in a property. You know that under the Land Use Act, um, the government grants uh, a lease of ma maximum of 99 years. Yeah, so if um, on my on my hour of O, it's remaining about, uh, let's say, 40 years. And I assign my interest. I'm a, I'm assigning you know the remaining forty years to to the assignee. 
So in that case, I'm not just saying you should possess the land. I'm you are. I'm granting you ownership. I've, I've assigned my interest. So I'm conferring perpetual interest or ownership upon you. Yeah, like saying take everything. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. The in a lease, the lessor retains reversionary interest. Yeah, this is the rights of the lessor to let's let's say regain the land after the after the term of years have expired to to regain his interest because like I said, he grants possessory rights, not perpetual rights. You don't the 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 tenant or the lessee does not own the land. So after the term of years agreed upon in the lease have expired, the interest in the land reverts to the lessor who is the owner of the land. But unlike um unlike a lease and assignments like he said to use your word it's like take everything so nothing is reverting exactly nothing is reverting to the assign no absolute interest is transferred okay yeah so in this in the same vein a lease there has to be a grant of you know a specified term of years but yeah. because an assignment grants the remainder of interest you may not you may not specify in a deed of assignment that is 44 years old there is a minimum on this hour you get the idea is yeah. just that the remainder of the interest in that property is assigned to the assignee then a, a lease may or may or may not be by deed usually when you consider the distinction between lease and tenancy but an assignment in all cases has to be created by deed. Then because uh, because in a lease ownership is not transferred, then there is really no need to investigate the title of the lessor. But okay. for yeah, but for an assignment, it is it is uh, pertinent to investigate the title um, title of the assignor. Because you are basically about to gain ownership of the land, so you have to be sure that its title is sound. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So these are the major differences. There are other ones, but these are the major differences. Then okay. for a lease and license, a lease and license. The major difference is that, uh, unlike a lease which confers exclusive possession, a license does not. Oh. A license, yeah, a license is basically a landowner granting permission to a person to occupy the land or to use the land um, for a specific purpose. And oh. um, it does not oh, transfer, okay. yeah, he does not transfer interest. He's just giving you permission, permission to use that land. And you may not even occupy that land exclusively. The landlord may, may probably be allowed to come in. Other people may even be on the land. So the uh, major difference is that when a lease transfers interest in land, the license does not transfer interest. In a lease, exclusive possession is granted. Yeah. In a lease, exclusive possession is granted. So a lessee can maintain an action, like I said earlier, an action in trespass against third parties, including the lessor. But um, a license does not grant exclusive possession. So a licensee cannot maintain an action. A licensee cannot say, Mr. Landlord, you are interfering with my use of this land. 
he can't because he's only there because the landlord even gave him permission. Oh, okay. Yes. So, so basically, you practically just do the difference between a tenant and a licensee or a, exactly. a and a licensee that exactly. one has exclusive possession and the other is just, just has permission to use the land for a particular period of time without exclusive um, possession. Thank you very yes. much, Janine. Yeah. yeah. So, so wait, Janine. So, are you telling me now that you know, you know, the way they do O and B in all these um school buildings? So, can you say that like allow <laughs> them to do it? They're like giving them a license or something to you know do the O and B. Okay, you are thinking about partying. Yeah, lockdown. <laughs> Don't think about party. I've not attended O and B since this Corona thing started. Allow me to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, some something like that. Although it's uh, oh, Amber is just a one-day thing. So, um, but they, they definitely pay for pay for licenses. There's a way they do it. The major difference between that instance and this one is that a license will probably be for a longer time. Probably won't just be a one-day thing. Ooh. Maybe a month. Yeah, maybe a month. Just usually short term, just to allow you to occupy and use that property. Okay. So would you say, um, okay, let's say, for example, there's like a spare room in an, in an office space and I decide to give it to someone for a month uh, and maybe not for rent per se, just to use, not giving exclusive possession, I can still come in and use the space if I want. Would that be some sort of license? Yes, yes, or yes. Okay. Yes, right. that's that's that is a license. As long as there is no exclusive possession, then it's a license. Oh okay. As long as you, the owner, can come in at any time to um to use that property, then it's a license. Another thing is that in a lease, you know, there's an agreed exp expiration date. So subject to other covenants, uh, that lease um expires on that date. The yeah yeah the landlord cannot come one day and you know enter remove his bag and padlock the door and say <laughs> the going yeah, yeah but for people. yeah but yeah but a, a license a licensee is only there um at the will of the um licensor so yeah. licensor yeah. can come in one day and say um see, I don't want you on my property I don't want you yeah, yeah. going going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, be going. I can't, Come on, be going. I can't fight. <laughs> okay. So, so me, can you explain the concept of lease, um, rent in lease, and um, factors to consider? Just briefly, concept um of um, rent in lease and factors to consider when fixing rent payable in lease. It's just okay. So, um, rent is basically the consideration that uh, a lessee. Or a tenant pays the lessor or landlord for use and enjoyment of demise property. It's, yeah, it's basically just mm. consideration. Now it's not an you can remember can remember that when I was talking about essential elements, I did not mention it because it's not um it's not a mandatory feature. So mm. I mean we know we know that in practice, <laughs> in practice now, of course, I want money. For my yes, property that I'm giving you, yes. so okay. in, in practice, definitely it's um, usually present. But the point of saying it's not a mandatory feature is that it should be expressly provided for 
in the lease. You can't imply it. Oh. It's not an implied term. It must be expressly provided for. The parties must agree on the amount of rent payable. So it, it can be money or money's worth. Oh. Yeah, and it's usually paid. It's usually paid in arrears, except otherwise stated. And mm. obviously, in in most lease agreements I've seen, though they usually want it to be paid in advance. So yeah. Yes. Then uh, factors yeah. consider when fixing rent. Uh, you can you should consider the the proper the use that the property should be put to. Then uh, okay. you consider yeah you also consider um, the market uh, market rates market rates of 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 landed property especially in that area. You consider. The location of the property. For example, a property on the island is not not going to be the same. Uh, it's not going to attract the same rents as a property in Badagri. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you, you, yeah, you consider the um the, the quality of the quality of the property and um, definitely statutory provisions relating to fixing rents. Mm. These are major factors that should take into consideration. No. So I think I have, but something I've learned is as a landlord, I can't just fix my rent anyhow. I can't just like call any um, amounts or any sum or say, give me anything you have. Or, or okay, this is uh, how no, no. my rent yeah. is. Like I always have to put certain things into consideration, the value of the land, the place it yes. is, and be um some rates market rates and all that oh okay. yeah you said rent is not can. mandatory yes so what and you said money is what so i can i can decide as a landlord that you give me something else maybe like something other than money for like my how? property she has been at home for a while now. No, now this girl stay at home. I know, right? I'm not going for party. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but, but yeah, um, I'm sure the book say money's worth because um, back then in primitive times, they probably just, okay. um, even our ancestors, they probably just paid for with, with cows, like she said, or Oh, like a trade by butter thing. Maybe, or maybe not. Maybe even those cola nuts, palm wine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So I'm yet. I'm. I'm guessing that for for our um in our time, someone can actually um maybe want to uh, lease a land for maybe shares in a company or something. Now, I've never seen that in practice, but. I'm just thinking maybe money's money's worth. That it could yeah, work. Yeah, it could work. It says it says money's worth after all, so yeah, it, it yeah. could be valid. Yeah. I was I don't know. They're saying I'll give you this. They're saying um I'll marry your first daughter. <laughs> <I'm also laughs> money's worth. <laughs> I, I don't think that's already that's already turning into something illegal. 
Okay, so um, since we're talking about rent, in um, tenancy agreements and lease agreements, where there's rent, there, there are usually, there's usually a rent review clause. So what does this mean and what are the ethical issues that may arise or that um, having a rent review clause or not having a rent review clause may raise? Okay. Um, a rent review clause is basically a clause that enables the landlord to periodically increase the amount of rent payable. Now, land is very valuable and it appreciates with time. So if I'm giving you a 10, if I'm granting a 10-year lease in your favor, I can't possibly, it doesn't possibly favor me to set the same amount of rent from year one to year 10. I'll be placing at a loss. Yes. But then again, it's not... Um, it's not equitable to wake up one morning and say, land in this area, so the value is increasing, let me increase my rent. And then just go and slam your tenants with a notice so that rent has increased though from 250,000 oh. to 500,000. Uh -uh. yeah. yeah, that's yeah, that's not equitable. So a rent review clause is a clause that's um, enables the landlord to periodically increase the amount of rent payable and because it's in the agreement, the tenant or the lessee will not be taken by surprise mm. when that happens. Yes. So it basically does provide that this rent will be subject to review after a specific period. And like I said, it's usually, it's usually applicable to long-term leases. So um, the elements of... Um, Event review clause is usually the method of initiating review. They can say by by written notice, you know. The next one says time frame of review. So you can say by written okay. notice, yeah, by written notice, um, five months before the expiration of the current lease. Yeah, the landlord can no. the landlord can um, inform the inform the uh, tenant that he wants to review the rent. Then the third element is the mode of calculating the new rent. Mm -hmm. So the public call evaluation experts or the, um, there'll be a higher authority in other, or maybe they will look at prevailing market rates to um, ascertain the new rent on that demise property. Then the final element is the procedure for resolving disputes arising from new rent. So oh. if the uh, if the landlord or the expert eventually announces this property that the rent was formerly two hundred thousand is now six hundred thousand, obviously the tenant will be upset because that is a very yes. large yeah that's a very uh, yeah. wide increase. So the the I think I'll just start looking for a new house. Exactly. Oh. Actually it happened to my friend, but this one, you know how Lagos, we all know that in practice. I don't really <laughs> I don't know if there's rent to you plus in practice. I was going to ask my friend moved into a property and I think two months after the landlord said I'm increasing the rent. Wow. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He increased it from 500, 700 or something funny. Wonderful. Yeah, she's like, oh, I'm looking for another place. <laughs> she didn't even decide. She didn't even oh. visit with him. She didn't even waste her time trying to beg him or something. 
many of them does act arbitrarily like that but that's so that's the purpose okay but maybe do you think if a tenant actually knows that there's supposed to be something like a rent review clause and then the landlord just wakes up one day to increase rent if checking your agreement and you see there's no rent review clause is there something the tenant can do about it can does he have an action against a right of action against the landlord in that case um none that i'm aware of <laughs> since in practice we don't even know how it really works <laughs> exactly exactly uh, but most people uh, don't want to start dragging with landlord now exactly yeah. the, the landlord has yeah the landlord has yeah has the higher bargaining power let's be honest yeah so and these are the ethical issues you raise you know, a, a lawyer that is drafting an agreement or a lawyer that's reviewing an agreement for a um, tenant or a lessee should avert their mind to this to this provision no, a lawyer has represent the best interest of the client, so you let them know that uh, this agreement, this lease that is going to be for ten years, options to be new, has to have a rent review clause. Should I should advise? You should be diligent in advising the clients accordingly. Yeah. So, yes. so did you, from from what you are saying right now, because from what it is, it looks like this rent review clause usually favors the lessor or the landlord. So why is a rent review clause essential in a lease agreement? Because obviously it's favoring one party. <laughs> yeah, but, but really it favors it favors both of them. It favors both of them. For the for the landlord or the lessor, it favors him in the sense that it, it helps him to maximize profit. If land is appreciating uh, as the years go by, then I should be able to yield high returns. On, on that land. So it's, it enables the lessor to keep up with prevailing market rates. And let's not forget that as land is appreciating too, you know, inflation rate is definitely increasing. So it helps him to um, cushion the effects of inflation, basically just to maximize profits. So yeah, it, it seems like uh, he's the one really enjoying, but it also protects the lessee because um, like I said, they won't, the lessee will not be taken by surprise the, 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 because the lessor cannot arbitrarily wake up one day and unilaterally increase rents. Yeah. So you're saying it's subject to review. Both of them still have to come to an agreement on mm. the new rent. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's why they, yeah, yeah, that's why there's even a dispute resolution clause. Because if if Makes if there's no dispensation clause, it would be like whatever the landlord says is final. The landlord says is final. Exactly. That's when we now say hmm, this clause seems to favor one party than the other, but it uh, allows for the meeting of the minds on the new rent. Mm. Okay. So yes, so it protects both their interests. Yeah. So so the new for the purpose of buy exams, is there anything we should take note of that um that may be different in practice or that may help for um, by exams preparation? Okay. Um, I'll start from different in practice parts. Interestingly, so after law school, and I, I did an internship somewhere, and I came across so many leads agreements, and they were actually largely the same. I was quite surprised because you know how they always say, mm, in practice, it's slightly different though. But when it comes to property law practice, um, mm -hmm. things are largely the same. So the okay. same drafts here, yeah, similar, I mean, of course, your, your draft has to be more um, sophisticated and tailored 
suit your particular client. But the substance is the same. Yeah. But um, coming down to bar final, this from all we've discussed, I will just highlight what you usually ask. Definitely, essentials of a valid lease. This one is uh, always asked. So, you know, you know, now we deal with problem questions. So you're given a scenario, and you are asked to comment on the validity of a lease. Mm -hmm. You're given a scenario um, relating to some of these uh, features. That we have some of these elements that yes. we have discussed, and maybe in that scenario, it, st it states that um, the the lease will not take effect until let's say okay, let's say let's say the lease is in favor of some expatriates of a um, expatriates of a company that are coming in to Nigeria, and you are saying the lease will not take effect until expatriate quota is granted. But you don't really state to the parties are. Is it the expatriates? Is it the company? Mm. Not, yeah, this is not clear. Then it doesn't even state where the property is located. Okay. That can, yeah, that can. So you, you have to comment on the validity of, of that lease, bearing in mm. mind all of these all, all of these features that we have discussed. So yeah, nobody's going to tell you to list the sessions of release. They will just give you, yeah, nobody's going to to do that. They just give you a scenario and you have to um, ascertain whether these essential elements are present. Okay. So this, this is something you should take note of. Actually, this certainty of terms thing, this whole, um, if it's dependent on a future contingency must be ascertainable. Mm -hmm. They'll give you, yeah. You know, you know the cases for that. Okay, Chico and Honor, Bosa and Oji. In those cases, it was um, it was dependent on when the C of O would be obtained. This okay. one is, um, and, and the courts held in, in in those cases that the lease was valid because that's an ascertainable um, event. So you have to look at uh, the scenario that you are given to see if that's an ascertainable event. And like I said. If they say something like um, the lease uh, will commence on the day that coronavirus finally ends, that's um, definitely not ascertainable because we don't know when it will end. Yeah. 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 So you look at look at these features, then um, rents and the rent review clause almost always ask that if not every ESF. So you hmm. want to know the elements. Um, probably drafting it. <laughs> that draft, I was so happy it didn't come out in my time. <laughs> but <laughs> but once you know the elements, you can actually you can actually you can actually draft it by yourself. Yeah. Mm. So these are um, things that are often asked. Then obviously the differences you should be able to, and this is even the first thing you are taught in the um, property law practice: how to dis distinguish between all the different transactions pertaining to land. So yes. once you know what each of them, once you know what an assignment is, a lease is, it's very easy for you to distinguish. So you may be giving, um, you may be giving a problem question in which many parties are mentioned and many different transactions are talked about. And then they, are, they ask you to distinguish um, between all of these different transactions. You should be able to easily talk about um, the differences between a lease and an assignment, 
a lease mm. and, a, and a license and, and, and all of that. Then there's actually this part that I was going to mention earlier. This pay, payment of rent in advance, that one comes out, but more in the MCQ. Yeah, so okay. we're, yeah, we're looking at types of rent. We have um, three major types. Ground rent this is a rent that is payable on the, on the bare land, like the name implies ground rent, on the bare parcel of land, and usually paid uh, to the governor by the order of a right of occupancy. And we, mm-hmm. we have um, a rack rent, rack rent, which is the economic rent payable on a land that has been developed, a land that has been developed, that has been improved upon. So that rent takes into consideration development on the land. Then premium is like a lump sum, lump sum payments of, um, of, of rent. In addition to period, in addition to the periodic rent, so it most most states um, prohibit it. So to circumvent this, landlords now um, start charging rent in advance for many years. Like if it's a ten year lease, they can say pay three years in advance. Oh. Yeah. So one question oh. they mostly ask in this area is um, why uh, why payment of rent in advance is not advisable. Um, the first thing is that it's actually even prohibited in many states. Like mm. the Tenancy of Lagos states prohibits collective rent in advance if it's a yearly um, tenancy for more than a year in advance. So number one, it's actually prohibited. Number two, it doesn't even make sense when you consider inflation. This money they're collecting now, the, uh, you know, the value the value yeah, will reduce. yeah, the value will reduce as years go by. So why do you want to collect the especially Nigerians economy? Exactly, exactly. So why would you want to collect three years rent, you know, at the beginning? Then also tax implications, because rent that you collect in advance for more than five years is subject to tax and yeah. as personal income. So this this often comes out in uh, MCQs and okay. all of that. So I think those are the those are the major things you should look out for in what we discussed today. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Jenny. I, I think um today has been um, a very interesting episode. I think you guys would agree with me that it has been a very interesting episode. Yes, it does. It has. <laughs> thank welcome. you, Jenny. Yeah, thank you very much, Jenny. It's been great having you two on this episode. And thank you for welcome. having me. And to our wonderful listeners. Thank you for having me, Kenyu. Yeah, and, and to our wonderful listeners, we talked about leases today because you filled our feedback forms and saying that this is what you wanted to learn. We'd love to do more of this so we can talk about the topics that you are really interested in. So feel free to reach out to us through our social media on Twitter, on Instagram, at Digilome. And if you have questions and suggestions, do reach out to us. We hope you've had a great time. Till we meet again, I remain your host, Kayukemi Ubi. Goodbye. And that's all for today's episode of the Fit and Proper Podcast, a DigiLaw production. For more about DigiLaw, you can check out our website at www.digilaw.com.ng. Follow us on social media. On LinkedIn, we are at DGL Africa on Twitter and Instagram we are at DigilawNG. Mm-hmm.
the fit and proper podcast was hosted by KU Kemi Ubi and Ufoma Bakpore. The scriptwriter is KU Kemi Ubi. Production and editing is by Akin Ifai Agumbiade, while voiceover is by Fashion Adibi. Until we meet again, stay fit and stay proper. <laughs>